Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Hi everyone, this is District Durkas. Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is Full Service Radio, and we are broadcasting live from Adams Morgan. My name is Sama, and I'm from Yemen, and my friend is a Durka from Algeria, Lilia. Aloha, everyone. We live in the District of Columbia, and we get together every week at 2 p.m. live to decipher the Middle Eastern experience in the capital of the United States. Our topics include feminism, sexism, terrorism, absolutism, atheism, monotheism, socialism, etc., and all the prisms and schisms in between. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're actually trying to modify our show a little bit so that every time I say, we are District Durkas. Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad. You're going to have to listen to that. It, it, we're making a point yes. here. And Basi- actually, our show today. Our yeah, our show today is very relevant to that. And also, not really, not really. just to let you know, we are going to be trying to make some uh, updates to our music. Um, oh yes so you listened to the yes I did I listened to some portion so Lilia does music on the side creatively and she we might actually use one of her beats as an introduction to our segment which would be a lot of fun cool the reason why I picked this one is because it's a little bit like Gnawa music I don't know if you noticed the bass and the guitar it has that little you know yeah so you want to tell us a little bit about the process of that specific song that we might use uh, no, not really. No, just nothing about it, Shaban or your work or no. It's got some Durka connotations. I, I, I feel, but you make which the means music. nothing at the same time. Yeah, but you make the music with a Native American. Yes, I yes. think that's cool. It is. That's why I'm here in the district representing the Algonquins. That's, Diversity. Yes, huh? that's how I made it through the Bush years by being like I'm. I'm not really here. I'm in the Native lands. Well, on that subject, our subject for today is going to be appropriation yes and that's a hot <laughs> How subject. fitting right after yeah <laughs> the little, native indian and yes, the arab <laughs> yes so actually this is a hot subject in general in academia and other subjects and we've also had a few conversations slash confrontations about the subject right yeah um you have a few stories where you feel like appropriation is absolutely wrong should not be done and i sometimes think that it's kind of okay yeah i mean same here it it, it really is a it's the razor's edge it's a little like a, bit as a conversation. It oof. could be, it's hard. Like, is it cultural exchange or is it, are you using something from me to assert your domination while not accepting me or excluding me from the, the mainstream culture and so, parading with something that, I mean, it all depends on the power structure, really. That's where I think. We have like clear no-nos of appropriation, what not to do, like blackface is a no-no, right? Yeah, it's a no-no. Like, for instance, uh, bringing it back to the Durka, in France, they have what they call wesh-wesh parties. Wesh, I don't know if you say that in Yemen, esh, like what? Yeah, esh. Yeah. So in North Africa, when you say wesh, it's like, what's up? So wesh-wesh is like, what's up, what's up? And so French people, like non Durkas, non, you know, Algerians or whatever, have these parties where they, they dress themselves as wesh wesh, 
in the French Urban Dictionary, a wesh wesh is someone who's from the projects and has adopted sportswear and slang said to be from the projects. So kind of like african-american so they dress hair. they dress like what they think like people the project, yeah like the track suits and you know i don't know yeah. why they have a big thing with lacoste and sergio tacchini and they have certain coats so they will dress up and put some rai music or some rap that which has, is the which is the equivalent of like french right like rai music has rai music is algerian rap. but it has like rap anyway so what they're having is they're having blackface party but they don't have the academic or uh, framework to even know what they're doing. I feel like here you could be outed for this. In France, it's still under the radar. So in a sense, it's the misappropriation of an appropriated thing. Yes. So like the way that I see it is that this wish-wish adoption or like the culture itself is uh, a manifestation of a minority group that kind of resembles the one that we see here in America with the projects and everything. And then taking out of context like context to be disrespected yeah it's mo- it's they're basically mocking it okay but at the same time they want to say wish wish but so, they so what happens it. in the parties uh well they act like what they think uh well they call it the rakai rakai is basically thug so they act like a thug from the project in paris like, so wait hold on what happens when a real wish wish goes to these parties like do they get punched in the face? Like, what, what happens? I don't know. Well, my cousin is half French, half Algerian, and he was invited to one. So he, he was conflicted. There was a part of him that wanted to humor the party and see what it was, and then another that felt like, no, he would be co-signing something. So these parties was, happen all the time. It's not like on Halloween you do this. No, no, there are wesh-wesh parties, and now there are even shows like Top Chef, but it's Top Wesh. Um, but wait. But that's more on the download. It's not But that's like, like if there's season. a show... That's like top wish. That's Isn't that like sh- celebration of the culture? This one is kind of funny, but the parties are not. The parties are straight up like mocking people who have less opportunities and who they've developed uh, their own slang and their own uh, sartorial codes. And you're just taking that and, and acting like this is acting out. Sure. So wait, but hold on. Ta- let's go back to the top wish idea. Yes. Is this like two people who combat in like what rhyme music and rap battle? Like, what is it? What no, is top it's, it's really like about the dress code and the way they speak and who can outdo their wish wishness. So on that note, Kourtney Kardashian is dating an Algerian, an Algerian French, mm-hmm. right? Or just Algerian, Algerian. I mean, is he a wish? No, he's not a wish. Okay, so it's not just uh, North African who's dressed no, in... it's really people who come from less fortunate... I mean, French... So there's an economic... Yeah, yeah, totally. Sure. Like, it's a project. It's uh, Les Banlieues, the HLM. They, they clamp all the North Africans and Sub-Saharan African, like, outside the city in these big buildings that look like, you know, chicken cages or whatever. So here's the line with appropriation for me. As long as you're being, as long as you're doing something with respect and admiration, it's okay. And the minute it becomes disrespectful and mocking, it's clearly not okay, right? So you have an American, no blackface, very clear. If you're not American, get on this. If you know, if it's a use of uh, a religious symbol, then it's also not okay. Kind of like the head uh, feather kind yeah. of thing that Native Americans wear. That's not okay. The bindi from the Hindu culture is not okay. Is right? it? It's like, is it not? I think it's fine, but yeah. some people have said because of its use in ritual ceremonies, it's kind of not okay. It looked okay. cool on Gwen Stefani, though. I mean, 
that's the thing. I think as long as the person who's wearing it, just if that person takes a second to read on what it is, then they can kind of do it. It's part of a cultural exchange. Now, we can't get into people's heads and find out what they were thinking. Like, do they know where this came from or are they just doing it because it's cool? Now, that's the difference. But you have a story. I think it's more, to me, it's like, yes, it's like you can do something because you think it's cool, but the really the line for me is the power in it. Like, are you taking away pi power? Are you empowering yourself with something? So, so here's the thing that, you know, I can think of in terms of appropriation. I think I appropriate on a daily basis, right? Like the shirt that I'm wearing, the pants, that's not traditionally what women wear in Yemen. So I'm immediately wearing clothes for a culture that is not mine, yeah, that from is the not originally mine. Though, yeah, which that's is part difference. of globalization though, right? Like I can't just be like, no, this will be for this group of people. Um, I have shoes from Italy because I like the leather and I appreciate the leather. So I will get my shoes from there. Um, so that's also something that, you know, in a sense could be defended through cultural, you know, rights, you know, like this belongs to us only, um, yayoba oil that, you know, a lot of people use. It's phenomenal. It's not part of my culture, but that's it's cultural still exchange. I think appropriation is when, for instance, like in the case of the Wesh Wesh is these people are alienated. They don't have jobs. They there's so much systemic racism against them. And then you take something that they've created and you mock it or you take it and you say, well, when I do it, it's kind of cool. It makes me hip. But when you do it, it makes you like a, a lower being. But like, that's this immediately, is what's expected from you is wish-wishing. That's it's immediately making, attaching a negative connotation to the term appropriation. When to me, it just means that you appropriate something. I think cultural you, appropriation is negative because if it's not appropriating, then it's just sharing. Then it's a fair trade. It becomes appropriation when it ceases. But what are the limits fair. of what's acceptable and what's not? Well, I think it's, what in, are the, the it's in the power dynamic. It's in the asymmetry of the power. If you're from the dominant culture and you're taking something that belongs to a minority that you fundamentally like disrespect at a personal level and you're just using uh, one aspect of their culture as a prop or to mock them, then that's cultural appropriation. So hold on. A few weeks ago, almost every show here at Full Service Radio was talking about a specific artist. And they were talking about the Bodak Yellow artist. Yeah. Bodak Yellow, Cardi B. Yes. So this, this song hit it everywhere, right? And I never saw the video clip till recently. Right? I have. Yeah. So... What's Cardi B doing? She's representing. Right. It's rap music, but how's she dressed in the video? What's the video about? It's about it's golfy a, lifestyle. It's a great uh, abaya, whatever. It's a dope one. It's a green one. It's beautiful. Yeah. I know. But then she also veils her face. Not really. Kind of. She covers her face, shows desert, her eyes. She's being like sexy there's, through it. There's a lot of sandstorms. You got to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. She's being savvy. So if a savvy white B. person did that. It would definitely be in the news that that's not okay. It's appropriation, etc. It'll be everywhere. Not really. Depends. Yes, like, it will. For instance, I think Christina Aguilera with her genie in a bottle. I mean, she, there was no backlash to that. Yeah, it because fine. it wasn't the same as Miley Cyrus twerking, for example. I read so many articles about that in academia. Now, had Miley Cyrus then went on to do a music video like that, it'll be everywhere again. Yeah, but it's not because Miley Cyrus did it. But it's, it kind of It's is. the fact that if a person from the dominant group does it, then it has a cool factor attached to it. But if the people who created the twerking or whatever is 
appropriated. But that's the thing. Is Black people in America created twerking? Is that what you're going to no, tell me? No, I'm not saying. Like I'm just saying when. To... No, I'm saying when she does it, then it becomes mainstream. But when another person from another group does it, then it's it becomes something with a very negative connotation. It's not. It's not fresh. It's just like. This. So what's what's Cardi B doing? Oh, she's. That's not appropriation. No, no. Okay, so she's throwing money. She's sitting next to a hookah. Yeah. She's next to a man dressed in aqal and a like full-on Arab dress. Yeah. And that's not appropriation. Because to me, it's like, I don't think she knows much about that culture, right? And then two... Yeah, she's a soci- She's just... She's just taking... But that's the same way that Miley Cyrus... the notion of swag. No, it's getting away with something as opposed... I don't think Cardi B is getting... What is she doing? She's just on a camel that's not appropriating anything. She's on a camel with heels trying to make it sexy. And? And when is she ever on a camel not on that video clip? Like in her regular life, when is Cardi B on a camel? But why would you limit a video like an artistic expression to That's what I'm saying. Front door? That's what I'm saying. Like to me, to me though. Well, I do not feel lessened if like as as a Durka, I do not feel lessened by her clip. I I'm actually I I welcome it. Like I remember there was a time where it wasn't really hot to be a Durka around here and the only saving grace was hip hop integrating some of our beats, some of our imagery. So you're and, using and the so- term integration. Correct. Okay. Like that was the only thing that was cool. Like when um, Noriega came up with Super Thug, like by Pharrell, and they were all in the desert. I felt like there was nothing else that was produced that was cool about us. And hip hop was the only culture that was giving us back some swag when everybody was calling us. So why us can't why can't this and that. the dominant I'm talking culture. about the early 2000s, like right after 9/11, where we really everyone was clumped in one group of while dangerous people and then I feel like hip-hop that like, took us under their wings and not to say, and also the other way around like hip-hop played a huge role in my life as an Algerian mm-hmm. you know so so here's the thing that I'm, I'm trying to make a point about is that some white artists do incorporate other cultures you know into their music but it's never considered integration or them adopting something to make it mainstream because of admiration. It's always like, no, we have exclusive rights to this. But when another minority race does the same thing, it's kind of cool. We're okay with it. Now, to me in general... Because we're a minority. But that's the thing. So. That's cool. It's, it's inevitable, right? Like, for example, when we think about, like, the big hoops that, like, there was a while ago where girls in California who are Latinas would wear big hoops... And then white girls started wearing them and they're like, no, 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 this is ours. I was just like, listen, one, nobody owns ownership to big hoops. It existed in so many cultures, if we are to look at it historically. Two, those Latina girls who are even wearing it probably got it from Spain, who are their colonizers in the first place. And the Spanish people probably got it from the Moors. So it's just like this idea of like, to what extent do you take it back? And then two... As long as it's done in respect or in admiration, why is it a problem? That's what I'm saying. I don't think Cardi B did it in disrespect. Yeah, but do you think that... And I think hip-hop has been doing this for a while. Like, think about Big Pimpin'. I was... I, I used to wait for that song. So, hold on. So, with <laughs> Miley Cyrus so twerking, do you think she was, she was, like, dissing black culture? I thought she was celebrating it. I think it was not about Miley Cyrus. I think it was about the global picture. It was... It, it, it was about... Like, I thought Miley Cyrus looked it, it, ridiculous it's, twerking. Like, I don't want to see her twerk ever. situation of, like, the American society. I don't think it was just Miley Cyrus. It was about how things are, per- like, for instance, 
I don't know. It was like the, the different ways you, you judge people from different ethnic groups. How, so how, how someone can still be naive and you know, portrayed certain ways that is considered... She's a kid. That's why. Exactly. But maybe like the same artist, same age, African-American, not considered a kid, Cons you know, holds a lot more responsibility to what she does. I think it's about but the, I don't think that we hold anybody responsible for appropriation. Now, here's the thing. Okay. When you have an unequal society, then yes, you have what we call, I, I mean, I felt it and I'm so glad for the term. I remember in France, like if I wore something from my country, then I was labeled the savage but if they do it they become chic and they have this savoir vivre and they've expanded their horizon isn't but if the I, same with dreads but and if everything I do, the difference is if i wear my clothes i limit my horizon i'm therefore just the indigenous like whatever so why but not continue do, to do it till it becomes i like, never what's the goal it. to make it but mainstream? i'm just saying i think cultural appropriation kind of captures that feeling a feeling that why am I excluded when I'm wearing these signs and why are you celebrated when you wear the same signs? I think so that's where it is. Let me talk a little bit more about this integration slash appropriation, whatever you want to call it. There's a rapper who's from D.C. called Goldlink. Uh, so while we talk about him, I'm kind of have I'm going to ask Jack to kind of look up any song by him just to kind of have it out there. Um, and so Goldlink is from Virginia, raised in D.C., and I've been noticing that a lot of his photos, he puts on aqal and a dishdasha. And for those who don't know what it is, look up photos of him recently. It's this um, headdress that's worn in the Levant. So, dude, Goldlink knows a lot of people in D.C. If anybody knows Goldlink listening to this, please tell Goldlink. We'd love to ask him some questions. I'm just really curious to his recent fashion choices. We really want to pick his mind. Yeah, that would be cool. But honestly, like... Have you seen photos of him recently? No? No. I'm, so he, no. he puts on, like, a full-on... And, and the akal is the black thing that holds the headscarf in and it's used <laughs> in so many cultures but he wears it with chic clothes and everything and now what's interesting to me is those countries specifically you know whether they're in the gulf or in the levant they don't have the most favorable view of black people right racism there is still very much alive like in the middle east where i come from racism is a thing and we have to talk about and conquer every single day now to me i'm just kind of curious to why why this culture particularly? Why the head covering? Um, what does it do for him? Like, where is his inspiration coming from? Well, I mean, the world is shifting, right? Like, the, the centers are, are shifting. Now it's more about, you know, Dubai. It's about power, and it's about not seeking the power from what you perceive as an oppressor. So instead of, you know, going to Paris and, and, and making your video or Milan and going for the former centers of power, you're kind of paying your homage to these new rising centers of the so-called third world. Sure, to but, me, it's very but in Dubai, cohesive. what do you see always if you go there? I mean, I don't really want to touch about this, but you have the idea of people who are of darker skin, especially those from India and Asia, like Pakistan, India, and Afghanistan. If somebody has darker skin and they are a worker in, in those areas, they almost have no rights, right? They look, they're looked at a second class citizens now my my question is is like why that culture you know like because I'm, it's I'm rising because it has a lot of money i mean this is the culture of its swag so anything that is you know uh a symbol of 
wealth a symbol of empowerment and instead like i said instead of digging in the same well you're paying like you're digging somewhere else which yeah, i think but we're assuming here things that Goldlink may or may not be thinking because he may just have a stylist this, who puts this together not really for him. because as i said like this has been going on in hip-hop for a while and i've been very grateful for it Busta Rhyme had this song, Arab Money. Yeah, that was so offensive. Not to me, because that was all we had at the time. And Actually, can we play just the start of Arab Money? Like, it starts, Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Does yeah. he even know what that is? Does anyone know what that is? Doesn't matter. In the name of God yes. is how it starts. It starts with the Quran. Which, by the way, a lot of Muslims might find very offensive. Yeah, well, we don't care about religion. these Muslims, honestly. I do care. Whatever. I care about everyone's feelings. <laughs> I do. I care very much well, about good. everyone's feelings. And they're feelings. just feelings, but... No, but if it offends them on a religious level, on a religious front... they should rise above. No, I don't think so. Why not Why not other cultures? Because we shouldn't, like, censor just for the sensitivity of, like, overzealous religious people. Yes. yes. Holy yes. shit. The song... Actually, I remember when it came down, Eric would put it together, yeah. like, would put it on, be like, yeah. And I'm like, in hindsight, I'm like, no, that's not cool. We're getting representation. In a very messed up way. No. It's, that's supposed to be Arab. It's Arabic. Playful. He's saying it's nothing. He's saying nothing. He's saying at least we have money. That's nothing. That's so offensive. That's like la di da da That's so offensive. It's not offensive. It's, it's Buster so Rhymes. It's not offensive. offensive. That saved my life. Honestly, at that time, it saved my life. Like when Rakim did uh, that song. It's when the he came same back assumption. And, that Arabs and have money. Had, that all Arabs have money. No, it's about the beat. It's about the representation. How did you feel when this came out, though? Rock in the building. <laughs> so this is Punjabi music. No, I know. But I'm, I'm assuming that when this came out, anybody from the Middle East like, felt some kind of way about it, right? Yeah, but this is like an adoption of a beat. While on the other hand, like this is Punjabi traditional beat. Uh-huh. The other song didn't take any Middle Eastern beat. Uh, Big Pimpin did. Yeah, they but did, the like, other song was wasn't a beat. It was... Like it wasn't actual words that was supposed to sound like Arabic. I don't think like white people would know the difference though, really. That's the thing. Friend, that's what's point. offensive about it. Mm. Is it was kind of like a mocking of it. And then it's hold not, on. Okay. The only thing he said is uh-huh. we're getting Arab yes. money. At the time where what? we were, listen. No, no, we were they're like, hustling. They're we hustling like the, us. No, the lowest in the, like in the food chain. No, no, no. no early no, 2000. No. I was grateful for that. And not, not to mention that hip hop as a movement has like given a platforms to all minorities, especially not minorities. Uh, no, like to the North, wealthy. No, North, not minorities. Yo, the I'm nouveau t- reach uh, yes. of the Middle East. Kind of love I this song. I was obsessed with this one. I love this song. But this is like actual beats. Give me a beat. You know who does Middle Eastern beats? Timberland. Yes. And he kills it. Timberland yes. and Aaliyah. They put amazing. That's like, what I'm talking about. That's integration. Has been, has been doing this for a while. That's integration. Busta rhyme with Arab money. Bismillah rahman rahim. That is. I offensive. love that. Bismillah. I love. I love Bismillah rahman rahim. But no, it not is, that. I don't care about that. I is, love the use of it no, in no, such I a context. Think, and, and it's not for the wealthy. Like when I'm telling smooth. you the wesh wesh, their frame of reference is American hip hop. Like don't think the wesh wesh. They're integrating f- something from Algeria, but. The, the, they're doing it through the lens of hip-hop. Because Algerians in France took on hip-hop. That's what I'm saying. Like, hip-hop has given so many things and voice. Like, we've appropriated hip-hop. That's so, appropriation 100%. So, yes. So, so, But you're so, using it positively there. But you just earlier said that you think appropriation I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it appropriation because it's music. But it is. And, 
you know, it's a way of expression and it goes beyond, you know, the ah, realm of... so full of technicality. No, but when you're having these Arabic beats and you're integrating them to music where we're being burned at the cross... No, no, I Timberland think, did it very beautifully. Yes. Buster Rhyme did not. He's part... I mean, that's that's like a little distinction that obviously... Very clear to me, And The reason I play the Punjab MC track is because I don't know if the artists have taken the time to really like explain the context of the samples because the point was like, I think white people would probably equate anything Eastern as like all the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, it's Indian, it's Middle Eastern. It's just like, oh, it's a, they would probably say it's an Indian sample or a Muslim sample. Like they... And is it the artist's responsibility to say like, oh, this is where the sample's coming from. This is the culture I'm borrowing from. The artist is to be creative and to express their creativity. But the problem is, if you listen to the Busta Rhymes lyrics, the only thing that was clear is we're getting Arab money. We're getting Arab money. That so is, the lyric bothers you more than... Yeah, but yeah because there's no beat adoption. Like and if he took in music, like Messi, Missy Elliott... Aaliyah, all of them had Middle Eastern beats in there and they were dope. That was yeah, good Timberland music. is killer. I mean, Timberland, Pharrell. Too bad he's... I mean, they're Rakim. amazing. That's amazing. Take it, integrate it, make something cool out of it. But don't just talk about a stupid aspect where, you know, people from the Gulf are not minorities. I'm sorry. The yeah, Nuvo reach from the, the Gulf. Gulf. But what, how do people from the Gulf represent themselves? Also, let's be real. It's all about their money. So... When no. you have like a no, that's a superficial look. It's at not it. a super yeah, but it's funny. It's music. It's to have know. fun. To have it's, fun, but not to. Disrespect. I mean, it's not like a scholarly like analysis of like what the golf is. It's like taking one. But that's aspect what we do. We write academic papers about music and popular culture. This happens. You critique those cultures. But I, to me, I don't take it that far. It's like he's just saying Arab money, and it's funny to me. It's playful. I want to dance to it. I think if I he was someone else, it would be a very different reaction. If it what? If it was someone else other than Busta Rhymes, I think the race and the color of the person doing this it's and their position is going to completely change everything. And I think that the way that he did it didn't show creativity. It showed that he was just looking for money, which I, I don't know. I just I have I have my problems with that song. I have my problems. Clearly, it wasn't. I mean, I like Busta Rhymes. I think he's a cool rapper. I a don't know cool where he's rapper. Been, but I think that there's that the song, real problem. I think the problem <laughs> with that song is that he missed the point. He missed the point. He it wasn't his best song. Listen, it, it, just, it just saying, really like, wasn't. Now we're getting into like how it's almost like okay. Like, I think it's offensive. There's so many. There's so many types of hip hop. There's like swag hip hop. There's more like meaningful, more political oriented, and this is just swag. So you you're not gonna delve into what the golf is. You're gonna take something about them that reflects something that you want to express, which is we have a lot of money, and the Arabs have that within you know the appearance of what they're doing. I mean, Dubai is all about. It's very showy. I mean, you, that's how it's marketed, yes. No, they're very showy. That's what they do. Like, everything, it's extravagant. I believe you've said that in one of the first episodes, how, you know, you know, Arab do it big. So I think that's what they're vibing of. That's what they're, like, you know, kind of mirroring their I own swag. I said it as a joke. What? FYI. <laughs> I said it yeah, as a joke. Yeah, but still, but there's some truth to this joke. So here's a, here's a funny one. This is a Moroccan rapper. Kalsha. And... They're driving around. What's that? You can find something Algerian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason I play this is because in this video, they're they're driving around American cars, and there's a there's a shot that looks like they're going into a New York pizza place, even though it's not, and they're wearing New York Yankees hats and stuff. So like that's appropriation. Is it? I don't know. It is. It is appropriation. You don't get to choose. You don't get to pick what is appropriation. Appropriation is about the power structure. 
this is okay. Hip hop is born out of, you know, it's not subversive, but it's a way out of being alienated. So you're making art out of that. You're creating a whole art form. So that resonates with other minorities who may fa be facing the same <laughs> struggles and they're adopting that movement. Okay, now... They're not mocking it. They're not above it. They're, you know, so emulating me, it. That's kind of... Okay, right. Like, okay, I'll tell you something. Like, they're so... We've talked about this for a second. We've talked about popular culture. Let's take a break and then come back Absolutely. and talk more about a personal experience that All we right. had with this. All right, so we'll come. We'll be right back. This the strict Durkas again and full service radio. Yeah, next time I'll bring some Algerian hip hop. Hey everyone, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, Durka from Yemen, Sama, and a Durka from Algeria, Lilia. Aloha. We live in the District of Columbia and we get together to decipher the Middle Eastern experience in the capital of the United States. Right before the break, we were actually talking about appropriation and the Busta Rhymes song. Our topics usually include feminism, um, Arab money, sometimes. It also includes terrorism, sexism. Absolutism, atheism, monotheism, socialism, etc. And sometimes we even fight about some topics. <laughs> so you guys are tuning in. We're sitting here and we're talking live from the Line Hotel. We are full service radio and this is District Durkas. Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad. We're and I have to, for Lily, I have to play this. The first thing that came up on YouTube for Algerian rap, I want, I want to see I'm what... I'm uh, myself. I'm curious, and then I'm sorry to derail it, but uh. So they're all wet. Nicolas Sarkozy. Yeah. They're wearing ski masks, and they're burning paper that says police. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Parallels much? Yeah, I need to create this. <laughs> this is what YouTube gives you. Yeah, yeah. we have. Yeah, but uh, all I got is the name of the former French president. Oh, yeah, Nicolas go. Sarkozy. Yeah, that's all. I love his name though, like Nicolas uh, Jacques Chirac. Like, what you guys get names? I mean, Nicolas Sarkozy. That's not a French name, so it's a little ridiculous how anti-immigrant he was. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Chirac, kind of. Yeah, that's a banger. Chirac. Hollande. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a nice name too. Whatever. <laughs> like his name. <laughs> I like French names. What do I do? Uh, so right before the break, we're talking about popular culture and appropriation and when it's appropriation or when it's not. When is it integration? When is it cultural exchange? And I think it's a slippery slope and a tricky line where the clear line is as long as you're not disrespectful and you're using it for creativity, I think it's one inevitable and two, it's kind of cool yeah. because the more, the better. I kind of be mindful of asymmetric relations between groups and I so think we were trying to bring it home with our own personal experience. experiences so 
Do you want to go first? No, no, no. Go ahead. Something about. So I love Yemeni jewelry. It's usually silver and it's usually handmade and it's kind of tribal and bulky and has a very distinct look to it. It involves a lot of filigree work. It's very technical and it's no longer practiced in the quantity that it used to be, right? So it's like a dying tradition. And I wear Yemeni silver jewelry everywhere I can. Every time I have a new segment to talk about anything Yemen, I represent my nation by wearing the jewelry. I wear it to parties. I give it to friends. I would like to see more Yemeni jewelry out there. Now, the interesting thing is, is that you lent me some from some moon rituals. Yes, but that was our own thing. (laughs) So I love Yemeni jewelry. I feel like it connects me to my heritage and culture. And I got a really interesting, good question Mm -hmm. from a friend of mine. There's an Israeli uh, girl group called Ewa. Ewa means yes in Arabic and specifically in Yemeni, like casual language, you'd always just say Ewa for yes. And those girls came about and they distinguished themselves in the music industry by being Yemenites and being Yemeni. And throughout the music videos, they try to incorporate Yemeni outfits, Yemeni words, Yemeni music. And so I had a friend ask me if they think that these girls are appropriating Yemeni culture. Now, I actually saw them here at the Lincoln Theater, I think, or one of those theaters. And I went to one of their concerts and I wore Yemeni jewelry. I wore a massive piece of Yemeni jewelry. And I was so excited to meet them because... um, I just want to celebrate my culture. And so I go in and immediately right off the bat, somebody at the door asked me if I was a member of the band. And I had to say, no, I'm not. I'm not a U.S. singer. And um, as I came in, I met the girls at the end and I really enjoyed talking to them. Now, what I think is cool about it is that they're able to revive Yemeni traditions and history in ways that Yemeni women themselves are not able to, to do it these days. Yeah. So they actually got people in the audience in D.C. to sing back Yemeni songs and to pretend to dance Yemeni dance in a very like fun way. I thought it was really cool because I was like, oh, my God, here are a bunch of Americans just singing Yemeni things and dancing Yemeni things, not realizing that they are learning something new. Right. Like they're taking in a new culture. Um, so my friend goes like, hey, do, do you think they're appropriating the culture by wearing the jewelry and doing that? Now, the interesting thing, these girls are of Yemeni origin, mm-hmm. but they were born and raised in Israel and their family is probably their like third or fourth generation Yemeni Israelis. So they, they have no ties to Yemen. They've probably never been to Yemen, but that's their way of holding on to their identity. They're reclaiming their And heritage. in a way, the things that they're doing because of time, because of globalization, these things are dying. Like nobody in Yemen, women don't sing these songs anymore. They don't realize that there are songs that were only for Yemeni women. And these Israeli girls are kind of preserving it. Now, I would love for a Yemeni woman in Yemen to reclaim it and sing it and use it and and do it. But that's not the reality of what's happening. The traditions are dying. The voices of Yemeni women in Yemen are being stifled. So when I see it being elsewhere, how do I feel about this? Is this appropriation or is it not? I personally find it very cool, but I, to my friend's advantage and to the question, it could be considered a form form of appropriation. Did they mention privilege? I don't think that... As in that they had the space to formulate that culture that is dying in Yemen because people have other preoccupations. So you can either see them as ambassadors or uh, protectors of this heritage or... 
people who are privileged who don't have to go through the Yemeni experience and yet uh well, I think you know, that they look up to their... Gra- it's kind of like, you know, you go through a photo album, you see who your grandparents are. And I mean, you try to them. know them. It's, it's a beautiful... It's very authentic. I've seen it, my friend from Dubai actually introduced me to that band. And I was really trying to look for... Flaws. Yes, the breach. And so I I'll couldn't tell you find what the flaws it. I, I thought are. it was... Okay, they, th- there you go. They don't pronounce everything correctly. Oh, well. You know, which isn't their fault. That's not their... Thankfully, my university didn't care about that. I'm just saying that, like, it's not an accurate depiction, yet it is still a celebration of it. And that's why I find it very great. And, and here's the thing that I thought was beautiful. We had a commonality. Like, of, there's so many reasons right now in this day and age to have problems between Arabs and Israelis, right? Yeah, like, I have beef with Israeli couscous. So, I don't have any beef with these girls. Like, I'm from Yemen. I love what they're doing. I think they're doing the culture a favor. And... I thought it was kind of cool. Like, that's my yeah, story of it. Like, I thought it was, if this is the way that we appropriate, then I'm all for it. Because it's, it's bringing something new to the art scene. It's yeah, like, it's here's purely this. art. There's no politics behind it. This is purely art. They're connected to their heritage and they're doing a beautiful job at preserving something that is not entertaining. But they're also mixing it with, the music is being mixed with some reggae beats. Yeah, awesome. That's expansion. Right? I kind of yes. love that. So that's my story. And about the, yeah, about the Israeli couscous, the reason why I said that is here when I came here, they were like, oh, Israeli couscous, couscous is North African. And then it was that big pearl couscous, which is not even couscous, is barkukis. So semantics, semantics, but I was still... So that's the thing kind of with, with Israel is it's, it's a country that has people from all over the world and all these people come in and bring their culture with them. And then it becomes known to the world through Israel. Yeah, I think it was more an American thing. It's a bit like everything from North Africa here is Moroccan, branded Moroccan. That's what I'm saying. So, so the, the way that the people learn it, they then dub that thing that they learned to this culture that they just encountered. So, for example, Israel to me, theoretically, had it not been for like uh, taking over land or the issues or the political issues that they're facing, theoretically... It's a culture that is a melting pot in yeah, a sense. Absolutely. Everybody's coming from everywhere and they're bringing their traditions and everything with them. And so when they do that, what do you have? You have a culture that's extremely diverse. Yeah, and but the couscous didn't come by way of North African Israelis. It came because I think there was a penury of some sort, that there was a famine. And so they couldn't uh, import rice anymore. So they had to create this new dish, yeah. which was couscous so they didn't invent it and they called it theirs i really researched it's the it same I about my shakshuka. I, it's the same with israeli shakshuka israeli like there's a lot of things that are dubbed as israeli and but it's weird because they're to not me it's like they're just shakshuka because tunisians have their shakshuka algerians moroccans like they're different variations so just call it shakshuka. that's what i'm saying that's, that's what i'm saying like if you look at it like Israel has been a country for just like a specific time or a specific set of years. So in a sense, to call anything Israeli would be kind of strange because it would probably have roots way further than that, you yeah. know? But I, I, who do you fault here? Do you fault the people who just like are like, oh, I tried this, so this is Israeli. It's like, no, you should read more. You know, like who do you... I mean, I'd fault the person, for instance, like this summer, someone tried a brand like on the, on the menu. Hummus? No, no, falafel. And I was like, can they just be falafel? Can we not inject the a name food like a nationality with, like to it. some you know controversial pandora box of yeah just trying to eat and on the trying to eat topic i'm gonna 
tell you about another story about couscous and appropriation that happened in D.C. while I was in college with French people at a Japanese restaurant. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of... Okay, I'm keeping track. <laughs> I'm keeping track. French, Japanese, Arabs together, cool, D.C. So we were in a Japanese restaurant and I was my friend from Senegal and Olivier, the French Senegal. dude, and Sophie from Monaco. So yeah, we were having sushi. A cool group, But it's huh? not really called... Anyway, it doesn't matter. And... Um, he, I, I, I'm North African, so he's going to talk about couscous, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, anyway. So he goes, my mother makes the best couscous. Okay. Right? That's, that's fair to say. Yeah, that's absolutely fair to say, even though it's probably untrue. So it might be. Yeah, it might be. I, so I'm entitled to challenge it as... You, know. you challenged someone's mom's cooking? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, because in France, the way they do couscous, it's like their version, you know, Uncle Ben's, like it's like offensive and not authentic at the same time. That's how they brand couscous in France. So it's easy to make? Yes, it's like a five-minute deal. It's something you put in that's water. How we, that's how you buy it here, too. Exactly, like so it's not couscous. <laughs> like, like, we wouldn't call that couscous. Couscous is a process. You got to steam it many it, times, you. soak it. There's a whole process that I know they don't follow. So... As someone who knows that, as someone from the culture, as an indigenous, I didn't think it was too far of a stretch to be like, well, from what I've seen in France, you guys don't even make couscous. It, and I said it playfully, like this is a dinner, we're amongst friends, I'm just, you know, taunting him a little bit about what he thinks is the best couscous, which cannot be, yes. right? The immediate response was hostility, because you, you're challenging his mommy. I'm challenging the couscous. I'm not challenging mommy. And if he has it. mommy issues at that, at that point in time, then he really needs... A person some... is bragging about his mom's cooking. No, about it being the best. And I was like, well, from what I know, you guys just boil it in water. That's not a way to make couscous. And then an appropriate answer could have been, well, I don't care how you make it. That's still thing my mom makes the best. Like, what I don't care about answer? the process. No, no, no. He went off on me, like insulting me. Who do you think you are? And I felt... Like I stood corrected as cool. Like, you injured his ego. I no, encouraged that. It's it's more like okay, the French want to talk about couscous and everything, but they don't want to be corrected by an Algerians. Like they want to take what's ours, say they are their best at it, and my opinion gets shunned. Like if anybody else talked, then he would have dealt with it differently. He was from south of France, which I think, I mean, they're more politically conservative when you look at the votes. Who votes for what? Like the south is very. Front National, it's like the, uh, it's kind of the alt-right, but there's nothing alt about it. And so his response was so venomous. It wasn't like, oh, you talk about my mom. It was more like, who are you? You cannot challenge me. You know, I kind of, I understand that. That's what I'm saying. You have to hurt their egos every once in a while. Privileged people have to have their egos hurt. They have to be challenged. They have to have that reaction because that's how, you know, ideas penetrate their brain. But the problem is, I kind of wish we had that kind of relationship here in the U.S. where like we kind of understand or like kind of intertwine with Americans better. But instead, I think we still look at each other as like, you know, I think that Americans still look like at Durkas and Arabs and Middle Easterners and Afghanis, whatever, North Africans, whatever it is that we're dubbing Durka here. They still look at them as this like alienated culture that both cultures haven't really become part of the other one like they're still kind of foreign to each other they're coexisting peacefully but they're not really interacting or challenging each other yet very strongly i mean you see it a lot with like islamophobia for sure that's a thing but i'm just saying that 
it's not manifesting itself in other ways. Like you don't have that whole cultural, cultural conversation taking place. There's fear of each other, but there isn't. Yeah, but there's also like a, a baggage. Like we come into this conversation with a baggage of me, my country being colonized for 132 years and then us being of the realm of Northern Africans being immigrants and you no know, second, third, fourth generation in France and him having to deal with North Africans as Wesh Wesh and people in the projects and all of that. That's what I'm saying. And then we don't have that status. And not not being from what he thinks is like a Durka or an Algerian talking to him. And that's like a double double punch in his conception of where he situates himself according, like relatively to my culture. I think what's the the Hunger Games? Yeah. There was that, that girl, I don't remember her name. She was the youngest one. Jennifer. She she was talking about African. American culture no. she she made like a very compelling speech about it's funny how you can like everything like our music you know our literature every, but you don't like us and that's how that's how I felt in this conversation it's like you can eat the couscous and listen to the music and go to Marrakesh but you don't like me you have a problem with me you, I'm not so, even entitled to an opinion without like your hostility because I'm out of my jurisdiction for you so let's fix it oh I fixed it the dinner was done after that. Well, we left. I, I don't know. I just, I really do Bad encourage in everybody's mouth. The way that I introduce everyone in my culture is come over. But then we came back and had dinner and it was lovely. Come over, have our food, look at my culture, make it familiar. Like, I think that's the best way that I, like, I love to have people over and just be like, get familiar with our art, with our jewelry, with our music, with our food. Make it part of your expression. Make it part of your experience and take it with you. Integrate it. I don't mind people wearing Yemeni jewelry, singing Yemeni songs, whatever. You do whatever you need as long as it's done positively. But there's always a phase of adjustment that can leave people feeling sour. Like I was talking to Mo yesterday. He's a bartender at Compass Rose. He's Egyptian-American. And I, I was telling him, like, in your experience being you know, American and Arab, did you ever feel like something was appropriated? And he, he said homos, which I thought was funny. I was like, yeah. okay, what's your angle? But it's not really about homos being a, a mainstream item. It was about that phase where he had to go to school and his mother made him peanut butter sandwiches with homos and he had to throw it in the bin because he was like, I'm about to get rocked for this. Yeah. Like people were like, what are you eating? What's this disgusting thing? So it's the stigma of Homos yeah, but that's also kids being, in school. Yeah, but right? it's foreign. Pressure it's to be the same. Yeah, the other. Yeah, the other. But now he lives in the world of avocado, hummus, this and this, hummus. Like hummus is the an essential is part of the diet. So, yes. So yes for the whole, like we're all sharing, which is the ideal point. But I think a lot of people have been through the phase where they've been kicked, like, but that's Branded a double-edged foreign. sword. That's so, a double-edged sword. But they get sword. over it. It's not like he's like, oh, mad every time he sees somebody eating homos. He just remembers the time where this was a sign of being foreign and that was not yes, that with. But that's correctly. a double-edged sword, sword in the sense that I can make the same argument of like right now in hipster town and hipster culture, everything that is rare and unique and the stranger the story, the better. For example, uh, Yemen used to be the leading country in making coffee and that has changed significantly. Yet Yemen is responsible. Mocha coffee that everybody drinks does not realize is named after a port in Yemen called Maha. And it was the place where coffee spread to the rest of the world. They have the best Arabian coffee. It is like the hub of all coffees. 
um, they haven't been making coffee for a while. And now in hipster land, we can capitalize on this, making things very cool by bringing Yemeni coffee back again, by making sure that the people who drink coffee are in fact drinking the most original form of coffee. And in a sense, it's helping revive an economy that's hurt. So in a sense, I'm like, yeah, this is like kind of a double edged sword. Yeah. Now it's cool. Like people were born now are like, yeah, hummus is great. It's just I was reading very quickly an article from this Moroccan girl and she was making the same point about henna and how her her mother and her aunt seeing henna being, you know, something that every girl from every ethnic group embracing and doing at festival. And it's it's. I mean, it, it's just become so common. They see that as, oh, great, like part of a culture it is shining through and being, you know, extended to other cultures, blah, blah, blah. But she sees it differently. She has a bit of a stigma because when she had to go to school here and people pointed at her henna and said like, ew, what's that? It stinks. Like, what is this? This was still an element of her being foreign. So she has a very ambivalent it's like yes so i'm proud of my heritage no made she it was, mainstream and then made it no, it's easier that, to celebrate it's that feeling of both being proud of the henna like that's your heritage but at the same time knowing that this is the denominator that makes you uncommon mm-hmm. and but now coming making her peace with it just like her mother and her aunt be like well it's cool but it's kind of not cool too so I understand that feeling. It's a complex feeling. It's not just... Sure, but isn't it also upon us as a minority culture to continue to celebrate our culture regardless and not to allow anyone to make us feel ashamed? But when you're the, the minority, things? the problem is like when you're the minority, you don't always have the means. And when you're growing up, you don't always have the tools. I agree. I agree. I completely agree. But I still think that the burden is also upon us too to like not allow that to get to our psyche. Yeah, and that's why I think she said, I feel conflicted about it whereas my mother who lived all her life in morocco for her she associates that with celebrations like henna is a positive thing so Mm -hmm. when she sees it in other cultures she only gets the positive she doesn't get like how long it took to get there and and why i always realized how me not growing up in the united states always allowed me to constantly celebrate my culture like when i was young i had the henna and i had the naqsh and i would love to get these in celebrations to this age i love the idea of them they look like tattoos i think they're so cool and the problem is like i've never felt this that it like i never went through that where it looks weird here or it might stand out smells people used to grab my hand be like it's mm." but some (laughs) people like the smell of henna it's natural you know right now it's celebrated for being a natural ingredient Mm -hmm. no chemicals But I think in a weird way, I'm thankful to not have that experience. Like, I'm super thankful to not feel that my culture at any point was like the minority minority. Like, it always was a point of celebration for me, like constantly. So wait, before we go to our next segment, I actually want to. Yes, we always have Orientalism Express. Uh, But before we go, we got to. I'm just extending another invitation here to the gold link wrapper if anybody knows him we do want to talk about his outfit um so other than that let's let's get into the to our segment of orientalism expressed so as as we're looking for the clip my mom showed up (laughs) (laughs) she's taking photos and making us all feel weird no i feel awesome now that is awesome here's the clip this is from family guy Wow, this place is really cool, Mahmoud. 
It's like ear-bloodening sounds had sex with nose-bloodening smells, and this is their baby. I am glad you are enjoying yourself. Would you like some of my meat fushnush? It's a chicken that has been yelled at for two hours and then run over by a Mercedes. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, you can really taste the fear in the chicken. You know, Peter, a lot of people are not as accepting of Muslim culture as you are. Well, I think everything about it is the best. Like this hookah. I mean, who doesn't want to sit around a table with a bunch of guys and suck on the same thing? Hmm, it's like smoking my grandfather's jacket. Man, I wish I could stay here all night, Mahmoud. But I'm supposed to pick up the dry cleaner before it closes. I killed a mouse with my tie. Nonsense. I'll have my wife pick it up for you. What? She'd do that? Oh, absolutely. I need you to run an errand for my friend Peter. Of course. Anything for you, husband. Husband? That was amazing. She just listened to everything you said. Of course she listened. In Muslim culture, wives are much more obedient. No way, that's awesome! So wait, let me get this straight. Sweet hat, obedient wife, and I get to shout, Admiral Akbar, when I do stuff? You, sir, have got yourself a Muslim. Oh, or you got yourself someone from the 50s or 60s Admiral right Akbar. Can I just say that Peter's attitude is the right attitude for accepting a new culture in? No, I'm going to give you, like, your Busta Rhyme thing, like, on reverse. Like, no. <laughs> so he's just like, it's like it's wow, this done. is amazing. This is all great. <laughs> yes. But I will take it in tone. the most offensive way. Yes. <laughs> let's use that tone to, like... But he's just so open-minded about it. Right. Also, so... Okay. Regardless of all the offensive crap on this segment something i never understood here in shows or movies where they depict arab why do they always have an accent all my arab american friends do not have accents so they don't what? talk they don't they talk don't, like this no they don't want to walk away and speak like this that's what i'm saying it's like what what about this what is it going to happen that you're just going to have like an american an arab american who just speaks like an american like like mo like my friend firaz like people who are like me yes like you exactly yeah that's it's what weird saying. where does that come from why is the always like this like because Yo. how else are you going to think of someone as different unless they talk and look different? Exactly. But it's not even... I think it's funny because you're in America. So they, I mean, they deal with Arab Americans, so they know they don't have accents. So he, so he actually said something that made me suddenly very conscious about smoking hookah. Like, that is kind of weird. That, like, it is usually I, done where men and women are separated and they just sit around for hours doing it. Like, I love hookah, but, like... I don't like hookah. I never, when I've done it, it was a very co-ed experience. And also you change. You have like the little tip that you can change. You don't actually share it. No, obviously. Obviously you don't actually share <sighs> it. And the reason that it's done in segregation is just because the culture in general in most places tends to be segregated. It has nothing to do with the hookah itself. Exactly. But it just, it was a weird comment. <laughs> I just like, yeah, I like family guys. It was in a way like oh, even homophobic comment that he made. Like, oh, it's so weird amongst guys like sucking the same thing. It's like, oh, cool. Not only are you an Islamophobe, you're a homophobe. It's family guy. Yeah, it's not funny. He's it's not witty. Guy. Like, I get it, but it's not, it's not funny. Like, he, he managed to make jokes. it. Yes, but it's not helping in a context where everybody has an accent when they're Arab, like depicted yeah, as, but a, the entire show as a terrorist or like opinion. Like, even the main character. Like, nobody is free of insults in this show. Yeah, except Arabs in this country, like, never get a break in popular culture. That's so, true. We don't get a break. So it's just, like, further... But now, that's why I want to make you and me to make a the new pun. face of Arabs. Huh? I want to make you and me the new face of Arabness in D.C. Yeah, but I'm not even, like, Arab. I'm North African. Oh, I'm there Algerian. We go again. Exactly. Oh, I'm Phoenician. You know? All Leave right, the Phoenicians right. alone. Hey. <laughs> you know what I mean. 
<laughs> Anyways, thank you all for tuning in. This was an episode about appropriation or integration or cultural exchange. This is the Strict Durkas, and thank you guys for listening. Yeah, and see us next week on our surf on full service radio. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.